Well, yes, it is that time on a Sunday morning. You have found yourself at the start of Stay in the Loop with Lucy, a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our mental and our physical health. This week's show is on decency and respect in relationships. And my guests to talk about it are Gabriel Caplice and Annette Baker. Welcome. Thank you, Lucy. Both of you have been in the show, in the studios with me before. You've done a few other shows and all of them are about relationships because really you two are the living, you you have worked, you made a dedication years ago, didn't you, Mm -hmm. to actually work on that with each other and with yourselves. Mm -hmm. So what I love about having you in the studio is you share from your body and from your lived experience your your talking what you walk yeah lucy we we're fascinated by relationships absolutely fascinated by what happens the the great things the amazing things that are happen and um, the stories of things that we regret or the things that upset people it's all it's also astounding because it makes you understand more about human beings and why we're here and what we're doing here and how we relate to each other and also about yourself. It, it, it expands your awareness. So it puts us in a big picture. It actually offers relationships, offer us our purpose in life. Is that what you're saying when you say you put it into that bigger picture? Well, yeah, that's a beautiful way of describing it and also I would just say that we understand things about the universe via the communication in relationships oh my lord Triple H FM <laughs> listeners are you ready for the fire that's about to come through may I just Go for add it. Lucy just in terms of um, our love for relationships and that commitment that, that you mentioned that we made that commitment we made was about healing all those all those things. So yes, we're fascinated by what happens to all of us in relationships and the things that that um, that interfere with us being doing relationships really well. So that commitment we, we made together was to work through those things and to heal those things. So it's um, we we basically put ourselves to the test and guinea pigged ourselves on everything to see if you can work through things not to stay together for the sake of being together yes but staying together if there is true purpose in being together and and just continually commit continually committing to that wow now very often you see one person do that but not necessarily both and and that's perhaps where that tension comes in in a relationship where one person says I can feel that there is more to life than we're living. I'm prepared to go put two feet in and go for it. And the other person says, yeah, cool, let's do it. And then the reality is one person has a deeper commitment to look at warts and all. And the other person kind of goes, oh, this is bringing up a little bit too much for me. Excuse me. Mm. Can I please, can we go a bit slower? Um, That maybe is that where tension comes in, in in a couple? And where, as you say... A relationship might not, um, you might not stay together. Might mean that you don't fall out of love with each other. You might love each other, but staying together yeah. actually isn't an option after that. Well, those <clears throat> those words that you said in, about there being more to life than this, they, they are the actually the exact words that we came together on. We both came together saying there's more to life than this, than what we see around us and what's presented to us as being what life is. Um, so with an equal understanding and, and feeling for that, yes, that's that's how we moved with it. But you do, you know, some people do come together and they both don't have that same level of feeling about there being more to life. So sometimes, yes, that can can create a tension if one is more connected with that or sensing that more than another. And you can't force people to go there if they don't want to. And that has to be accepted. Do you feel that there is a an element where we where we're it's bringing up things that are illogical to us? 
So it's not necessarily what we consciously know we're doing and that those that part of the trouble is kind of questioning where those things come from. It, if I could say, Lucy, that um, it's not just things that are illogical. It's life throws us curved balls at times that are, can be very confusing, can be shocking, can be confronting. And then it's how do you deal with that as the human being? Because we're all sensitive so say something comes in your path or comes up in your relationship, it could be, you know, something simple like you, you're, it, or it could be something large like you've, you've only been going out for six weeks and suddenly you've got pregnant. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that? Or, you know... That didn't um, happen to us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite six weeks. <laughs> Probably six months. Did you say six months or six weeks? Six weeks. It yeah, would have been a miracle. People. I think my husband and I were about six six months or maybe seven months. That's still a challenge. Okay, yeah. so, so in the event of something like that happening and you're new in the relationship, how do you deal with that? What kind of communication are you going to have? How responsible are you going to be about your communication in that? Yeah. Do you run away? Do you withdraw? Do you create a drama? Um, do you become intensely emotional? Do you harden and become tense? All of those sorts of things all <laughs> become intense. Yeah. So things happen in our life at work and in our families and in our friendships with people and with our children when we're parenting and we have to come to terms with that and Mm. we know from relationship counselling even from sessions from week to week with people or even you don't see somebody for a month or a couple for a month or a group of people for a month massive things happen to people in lives Mm. you know they can be going very well and then um, you know, something comes out of the blue because this is what life is about. It's a, it's about growing and developing, but things are always coming to us to help support us in that growth and development, even, even the things that are difficult, even the things that we would perceive as negative. And so it's, it's how do you resolve those things? How do you make sense of it? How do you understand it? How do you relate to it without loading it up in your body? Yeah, there's just, there's some, so much that comes, as you say, without, without reacting, without loading your body with more complication than originally came in in the first place. And if you're a sensitive person, how do you, how do you come to terms with that so that you remain settled and sensitive and you can, you can be calm and accepting in life? This, this, um, meeting that we're having this morning we're talking about decency and respect a lot of people who are indecent and disrespectful you know if we could potentially just feel that's that a lot of that comes from the unsettlement within the body because they're not dealing with what's going on in life Mm. and so then they express in a way that is compromised like that Mm. Uh, almost like you don't know how to say what you want to say because you haven't understood what the unease in your body is so it comes out misdirected at someone else well you know as exactly and as gabe said if you're a sensitive person but the fact the truth is that actually we are all sensitive you know if you consider a baby baby doesn't come out aggressive doesn't come out fighting Mm -mm. so we're all very sensitive but what happens throughout our lives unfortunately is quite often we override that we feel like we're, it's not okay to be sensitive or people get told they're too sensitive. Mm. There's no such thing. But you, you take that as a bit of a curse of that it's not okay to be sensitive. So that is one of the foundational problems in terms of lack of decency and respect, even with ourselves as well, when we don't honour that sensitivity. I love that. And it's almost as if you knew what was coming. Because we're um, I coming did. up. I did. sneak preview for the next segment coming up we're going to talk about childhood we're going to go there we're going to actually support each other to talk about what it's like as a child as a little child this is preteen 
what sort of mm. expectations there are around decency and respect, what is innately within ourself, and how that shapes who we are as teenagers, which will be later on in the show. I am joined in the studio today by Gabrielle Caplice and Annette Baker. Welcome back. Thank you, hey, Lucy. Lucy. We have been talking about decency and respect and with so much in the news at the moment about sexual abuse, domestic violence, the lack of parity and gender pay, it made me wonder how we each have a different version of what we consider decency and respect. And perhaps it comes from the way we were brought up. Perhaps it is affected by what we experience in our early lives. And there's a reason why we each have different benchmarks for what we consider decent and respectful. And therefore, how we just how we come to justify acts of abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, financial, bullying. So let's go back to being a child, our in early interaction with our parents and, and then going to school. Do you remember in primary school when your teacher asked for some respect and you thought you were being respectful? These of you remember that? I remember distinctly kind of going, she, she said I had to be, um, you know, I, I wasn't being polite. And I remember thinking, but I thought I was. And I think there must have been a point where either I didn't say please or I didn't say thank you, which you said as wrote, not because you actually meant it, but as wrote. Um, I remember being really hurt by the fact that someone thought that I wasn't being respectful and I made a decision at that moment that I would always say thank you and I would always say please and over said please and over said thank you from that moment on. Either of you have an experience like that? Um, lots, Lucy. And I, I just wanted to share something that I felt and observed yesterday. I had a, a client, a young mother in with the baby boy. Um, he's less than a year old and he was so, he is exquisite and gorgeous. And he was just sitting on the floor and I was lying on the floor beside him. And he was so open in his face and his body and just feeling everything because it's the first time he'd been in our home and in this room. And he was looking at me with big eyes like, who are you? And mm. your voice is different and you're not my mom. And all of that and I got to feel by just observing him him being in his sensitivity and receiving information all around him about what was going on in that moment and it was so beautiful but if I had been auntie so-and-so who was all kissy kissy and just gone in too quickly I would have completely I, I, I would have seen in his eyes this feeling of like who stay away from me who mm. are you mm. and there was um there was a noise in the background um one in one of the apartments that just came out like a big shock and he jolted in his little body when he heard it and you could feel that i guess what i'm saying is in our beings we can feel when things cross over our boundaries that make us feel safe and when we can feel like we're being respected mm. or not respected, mm. as in, you know, coming from our body. And so I was, I was just observing that, you know. And so as a child, when you're growing up, people crossing over a boundary with you is a disrespect. If they touch you in a way that's inappropriate or unacceptable or if you can feel from your body whether it's going to be harming yeah or not yeah or whether it's 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 a loving gesture and to you, you feel it before it comes out in any form of expression mm. exactly and so then you're learning whether to be safe and trusting with this person or not and that's what i could feel in this little baby boy yesterday and he was so beautiful and he allowed himself to just relax in the space Mm. even though it wasn't his home mm -hmm. he'd never seen it before so mm. so i i think all of these things uh, we we have to take into consideration because um you were saying earlier that we all have um different versions of what decency and respect is 
But what if within our bodies we had the intelligence to actually understand what is true decency and respect? And that's something that we're feeling all the time. So when somebody pushes us in some way or pressures us or imposes on us in some way, that we're going to feel that. And as a child, you know, if I can remember... There were teachers that I felt like in, in primary school, I remember I had this beautiful teacher called Mrs. Pike and she was so sensitive. She was a big woman, but absolutely beautiful. And I remember distinctly that our, all of us as kids, we used to crowd around her and we'd hold on to her dress or her knee or her leg <laughs> yeah, because we just felt safe with her. She yeah. was like this big protection against anything that wasn't okay in the yeah, world, yeah. in our world at that age. Yeah. And so, you know, you could say, I could say that she is a person that stood out for me at that very tender age in terms of decency and respect. I felt when I was with her that I wasn't going to get harmed. We know <coughs> so much more from our bodies and from feeling it than ever comes out of our mouths, don't we? So my example where I went, I went to the imposts of someone telling you in society what is decent and respectful. And you immediately went to the body knowing long before society tells you what is respectful, that actually respect comes back far deeper than that. And we have to clock what you've said if we're going to understand as adults what we're now saying is not respectful, that actually it wasn't respectful a long time ago, mm. but we have built a way of living that has ignored that to the point that now we think decency and respect is words mm. and not, uh, not touching you as opposed to not even looking at you with those eyes. Mm. So uh, if we jump forward, say, to porn, for example, and, and we talk about child abuse... Child abuse is touching, but actually child abuse is also looking. Mm. And and we don't see the harm in that because there's no... You can't f see the outplay, but mm. the child can feel that. That's a big... Yeah. That's a big topic. Mm -hmm. But let's... If we come... If we bring it to, as you were saying, the jarring and the jolts of being in different people's homes, of noises... Pets give us the same early warning sign, mm. don't they? Exactly the same. I don't... Um, <clears throat> when you asked that question, I didn't have any direct experiences that came to, to came to mind or of being asked that by teachers. I, I think, not saying I'm perfect, but I was very well... I was very well behaved as a child, not in the sense of just fitting into a box and doing the right thing, but as I understand it now, I always had an innate sense of what was decent, what was respectful and yeah. what was harmless. Yeah. And I believe as a child I lived that and I expressed that later on in my life when I chose things that weren't honouring of, of that love for myself, then I can definitely see where um, I behaved and communicated in ways that weren't um, decent or respectful to myself or others. But as a child very much um, I didn't have that experience with teachers asking me to give them respect because I think I just naturally was. Mm. Um, later on in high school years, I, rem I recall experiences like that because there were different things going on in my life and I was withdrawing a bit and rebelling a bit. So obviously my, um, my response or my care for, for those so-called authority figures was not as, um, not as attuned then, but certainly my younger years... It was, um, I, don't, I don't have those experiences. At the moment, we've got a big problem with mental health issues coming down into the primary system, which is the area we're talking about now. <clears throat> issues of, um, mental health issues of, of depression, would you believe it? So we're talking under 11 here. Mm. But also of, um, you know, a diagnosis of ADHD and a, a lot of behavioural issues that... Um, from the research that I've read, don't aren't always explainable. They they are very sensitive children, 
And part of the concern is trying to figure out, okay, why are they so sensitive? But what if we've always been sensitive mm. and it's something about the what we're expecting them, the pace of life we're expecting them to live and the way we are living that as our normal that is pushing their buttons? Is that possible? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would totally say that that's a consideration. Um, I feel with um, young people, like young children and then for all of us as teenagers and then young adults and that, this is very important environment and um, experiential time for communication and expression. And it's so important for us as human beings in our relationships. So say you're a child that is different and you consider yourself a freak because you're, you're different to what's going on with, with other kids. If you have somebody that can accept that difference or understand that difference in you, that has compassion to see and, and feel what's really going on with you and get you to talk and to express and to communicate so that you can um, find a way to come to terms with that difference inside of you so that you accept it, then those moments can be healed. And so then you don't grow up with issues surrounding or relating to that. And if we can offer each other that in formative years, that's a respect mm. for the difference of, of um, expression in people, different qualities, different understandings about how to be in life. So they don't get disenfranchised and they don't get dislocated and separated and they don't grow up feeling like, they've got a problem or they don't know how to relate to who they are that then creates further complication and confusion as they grow up perfect segue once again into our next section which is going to be talking about teenagers because that is when that tension becomes almost unbearable mm. in some mm. that's striving for their own expression and communication and the hormonal change that says you know i'm i'm in, i need to develop independence from my parents in order to survive in this world and to and to be a, a contributor in this world i am sitting here with gabriel caplice and annette baker welcome back lucy thanks thank lucy. you we have so far been talking about uh, decency and respect in relationships we've given the big picture and then we've disappeared into the one of the the, the areas so into childhood early childhood how we can feel everything as babies and then we learn how to process what we're feeling and how to configure our bodies so that we can tolerate perhaps um, different levels of what we're feeling in different areas. So we have a certain level that we experience in our homes and then in other people's homes. Now, we live in a world where you, you can't guarantee that you're going to have a level of decency and respect in your own home. Uh, so it might be someone else's home, it might be school. And as we hit teenage years, I'd say that's where these changes in where you feel safest to be able to express who you are and relax most comes right up to the surface and can be very challenging for parents. Um, I'm a parent of three teenagers, so I've probably got <laughs> quite a lot of lived experience in this in my body when, you know, I found that actually my kids wanted to be somewhere else rather than at home. They wanted to make their own choices about what they ate, about who they hang, um, hung with, you know, about walking in the sh shopping centre. You know, you know, all of a sudden they're walking either four steps ahead of you or four steps in front of you just so that they don't look like they're with you. And there's, the, there are so many conversations about what is respectful and what isn't. What's respectful amongst their crowd of friends, I call abuse. You know, I would never tell anyone there are, there are, well, I can't even say the words mm -hmm. because for me it's just like, no. And yet it's a term of endearment in that crowd. <laughs> and I go, mm, okay, 
in this house it's a term of abuse and actually won't you know you cannot call your brother or sister by that word yeah. um what happens the changes in communication as we try and fit into different crowds is there something underneath that mm. i'm feeling a little self-worth or self yes yeah? yeah what's going on we were we were talking about this this morning on our walk and just considering this conversation today and where it might go and discussing decency and respect and and abuse and really at the bottom of it all is a lack of self-worth so safe that example or self-confidence and self-confidence mm. which comes down to self-love as well do mm. we do we love ourselves do we do we nurture the relationship we have with ourselves but even using that example that you just shared then lucy with um your kids and and a term of endearment or a word that they would use as a term of endearment with their friends and then you say but in your house that's an abuse and then in your house the the house of your body right here right now you couldn't even say the word no i couldn't it's it's abuse for it to even pass your lips yeah so as we um as we you know if we understand that there is a relationship to have with ourselves which is which is about loving ourselves which unfortunately that we're not encouraged as children i mean mm. great if you if you're brought up in a household that does have an understanding of that and does support you to love yourself but typically and i know when i was growing up it was it was a curse just to, to you know you, people would say oh so and so loves themselves yeah, as if so it's something full of themselves. they're so full of themselves yeah. as if it's if as if that's um you a know, bad it's thing. a bad thing. Yeah. And it's not. So, you know, yeah, when we were talking about it this morning, really all abuse, whether it's verbal, whether it's physical, whether it's just being critical of yourself or others, stems from a lack of self-worth, which basically comes from a lack of um, a lack of loving yourself. But we need to know that that's a relationship to have. Okay. Somehow we grow up not not knowing that. I can see how that feeds the negative speak, the negative self-talk. Because if you are brought up to not see yourself as this perfect bundle of love, which, of course, they're all born mm. completely divine, if you are then, if your benchmark for what is gorgeous and good and well-behaved and everything else is outside of that, you're permanently trying to get to it, mm. which means you'd be berating yourself for not being it which is that self-talk that by the time you're a teenager would actually become more familiar than the bit that goes, I'm awesome, who wants to play mm. with me today? Who wants to do the colouring in and the Play-Doh with me? You know, that, that natural exuberance that a, that mm. a toddler has. Well, as a teenager, there's a lot of unsurety. You're, 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 you're kind of scared to actually put yourself forward like that. You know, you... In some ways, you take a lot of risks and you want to be out there in the world and you've, you've got this dilemma going on and in a struggle of like, I want to be adult and I want to have adult privileges and I want to be able to make my way in the world. And it feels like my teachers and my parents and the people around me who are adults are not trusting me to allow me to do that. But then also you're struggling with the child part of you that still wants to be taken care of. And mm. so... The boy you, man, as the, we were describing yeah, the other day. Yeah, so sometimes you whinge and carry on and you behave in a really frustrated and uncool way. And your parents are probably probably going to look at that and go, okay, well, you're too young to do this because you've just proved it because look at the way you've just behaved. Yes. You've been an absolute brat yes. and you're not going to get that privilege. And so um, that kind of dilemma goes on. But if you are surrounded by adults that are very respectful to themselves and their bodies, then something different happens. Like if, if teenagers, the teenagers that come to see us for counselling sessions, when Annette and I sit with them, and we sit in the understanding of loving ourselves and looking at this new person that we're seeing in, in a session and we hold them with great amount of love, then they can feel that. And they, 
they're less likely to act out. They don't come in and just abuse. Mm. And they've already gauged the environment. They've already sensed something energetically that they can't cross over that border because that person is deeply respecting themselves. So therefore it's like, don't go there. Yeah. And we can sense that as human beings. We can sense people that we can exploit and take advantage of. And we will push the limit with that person. <laughs> That's so Because true. they don't say no. They, they don't set a boundary f- of respect and decency for themselves. So we go, okay, um, you know, my grandmother, I can get around and I'll just lean on her for money, yeah. you know. And or, if I ask long enough and if I I know which card she really wants me to do well at school and so I can say that you know if I can just have that then it'll help me do this and then you know I just got to find out which way it's if we look at it in criminal terms I work quite a bit with the police so you have to apologize me it's colluding yeah isn't it yeah you are colluding with your naughty self or whatever it is whatever force it is to actually get your own way. It's manipulation. It's, you know, it isn't decent and it isn't respectful. But when someone is sitting in front of you embodies that you cannot, you can't get past me, which sometimes a certain police officer does or your grandparent or it might be, as an you authority. say, an authority, or even a practitioner, mm. um, all of a sudden they go, mm, okay, definitely can't do this. Yeah. yeah. But when you, can I just add yeah. about the colluding, just to jump back into early childhood for a second. Yeah. Um, something we we were, or have been constantly observing, but that that naughty self that you just said, how young now are, are kids understanding what they can get away with when oh. they, you know, we, and this is the part of the breakdown of communication or, or just life being so busy for everyone and people yeah. being overwhelmed that when a child, a young child has a first feeling and it cries about something, so often what we're seeing is that it's just given something to, to soothe it or to yeah. um, placate pa- it. Pacify. Where yeah. it, pacify, whether it's a chocolate or, but most of the time these days it's a device. Yes. And so there's this incredible lack of communication going on. But in mm. that process, that little being, that little human being is learning to, to manipulate and that naughty self, that naughty part yeah. of all of us, which, which, you know, we could bring understanding to in another show, <laughs> is, um, is, is getting to have its own way. And it's, it's not leading to it's a true healthy relationship at all. You just see this in adults so bad, so much. The self-soothing, you learn it as mm. a as a toddler, and then, as you say, it just morphs into different shapes mm. until, until and that, you get out. And that's a moment of not knowing how to be in your body because mm. you feel unsettled. That mm. comes back to that unsettlement and unease. So even as a toddler or a teenager, like we can see teenagers that are, you know, they're going through so much hormonal changes and so life becomes very intense for them at that period of time. They can come, they go to school, they're angels in their classroom or they're angels at the neighbor's house with the parent there or they're angels when they come to sit with us and talk with us. But with their single mum or their, their parents, they act out and abuse and in, are intolerable. Mm. So... If the unsettlement isn't dealt with within the body effectively and responsibly, and by, by that I mean coming to a way of accepting that whatever is disturbing you, that everything will be okay, or finding a way to make sense of the things that unsettle you. And that requires communication. It requires honest communication on your behalf to bring forward that and declare it, to own up to it, to say, this has disturbed me. It might be if you're a teenager coming to your mum and saying, I'm really upset because this has gone on with my girlfriend and whatever that might bring. And then for the parent to be responsible in their communication back, not dismiss you, to give you a listening, to create a safe space where you can really talk about those things together. 
Because if we don't recover from those moments, they just get stored. They're stored inside, we become loaded up, and we're like a pressure cooker. So it's not taking it personally as well as a parent, I can imagine. In fact, a number of years ago now, I gave my children permission to call me to account where I was saying one thing and doing another. Mm. It was the most challenging time because I seemed to be doing it all the time, <laughs> needless to say. They had licence to nail you. Oh, they did. And, and I had to step up and go, actually, no, you're manipulating that situation. This, mm. I, this is what my intention was. This is how I felt. I had to address how I delivered things so that uh, there, there couldn't be a manipulation there. Sometimes I just had to eat plain humble pie and say, mm. you're absolutely right, thank you. If you could work on your delivery of that so I didn't feel like I'd just been <laughs> pummeled, that would be good. But it, it gave us each an opportunity to take, um, to put training wheels on our communication and then at some point take the training wheels off and be okay to make mistakes, be okay mm. to be wrong, be okay to be vulnerable and know we could survive it because ultimately we knew how much love we had for each other. Yeah. Um, to depersonalize in a way and say, okay, is this about you or is this about me? And I feel that in our coming up section, we can talk about adults mm. and how much we try to control our children, then our teenagers, to not trigger any mm. of those hurts mm. because that's where we get the bullying in corporations and, and businesses and where we get adults who try and control so much mm. uh in their in their world so so because they actually don't know how to deal with not being in control which is the um the unsettlement in the body you were just speaking yeah mm. lucy can i just add something Go in for terms it. of you know that beautiful example you just shared of what you what you um offered to your children and to mm. the family and mm. and how that played out and is that not a far better way to to deal with things and work through relationships to improve our relationships than just tolerating? Mm. We're, 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 there's this horrendous situation where we are given the word tolerance as if it's a virtue. Yes. And yet, you know, you said before, do we tolerate this? Gabe said something about it's intolerable. So we've got this, mm. we've got this ambiguous way that we use the word tolerance and it's different versions, intolerable, tolerate. Mm. But the truth is to tolerate is to lower the bar. It and is. In terms of decency and respect, yes. that word needs to come. It's, it does not belong in the same camp whatsoever. No. Watch out, listeners worth staying tuned we're going to talk about it in adulthood we're also going to introduce the having talked about tolerance we're going to introduce some steps to actually introduce you know uh ways of approaching your communication that could actually raise your bar and an understanding about um what you might expect when you do and how patient you need to be because you have potentially been this way for a number of years. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. We have been talking about decency and respects in relationship. Now, I'm sure that you're with me in, under, in seeing there's a clear foundation set in childhood and through teenage years that brings us into adult life. And as we discussed, there are many experiences we bring with us that we may not be aware is, is setting a, a bar for decency and respect, but we're feeling the well of what, we actually, if we were given half uh, an opportunity, would genuinely say was a level of decency and respect. And from my experience, when you start talking about it with men or women, you can feel the... When you start talking about self-worth, you can feel the well of sadness of how people don't appreciate them, but also what they have allowed, which is what you were both saying before we went to the break. And there is that unsettlement in the body. So we take this into adult life. Where, do, where can it play out? Um, I was just feeling, Lucy, you know, if you have that unsettlement in your body, I just like to make a point. And, and Nett was talking about the lowering of the bar of decency. 
if you're carrying around a hurt and it starts to grow, you know, become complicated inside of you and you haven't haven't learned how to deal with that or you haven't accepted what that is inside of you, then you're going to, if you're as a young person introduced to adult, um, sorry, drugs and alcohol, that's a whole different level of finding your way um, in yourself. And what I mean by that is lots of things can happen on with the usage of alcohol and drugs that can be so disrespectful for us. It is a lowering of the bar a lot of the time. I mean, the many times that girls have sexual situations under the influence of drugs and alcohol, that if they were sober, would they would nowhere Absolutely. go near those, those scenarios. And they don't know how to say no because um, they've, just disconnected from themselves or they've lost their way in that moment under the influence of drugs and alcohol and so they they let we let things happen to ourselves that we would never let happen to ourselves if we were loving ourselves in that moment and this is um the repeat the the repetition of this the as Annette said, the lowering of your expectations, the lowering of your um I don't know how to call it um love bar. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. good that's a good you know, your your barometer of what is decent for you. Yeah. Um again and again and again. It's very soon that you know this is a massive self-worth issue Mm. you know and it it can breed self-loathing and then therefore this absolutely compromises you and your relationships it's a vicious circle isn't it because you feel something you react to what you're feeling you can't quite put your finger on it you self-soothe or you use your pacifier which um seeing as everybody else is you may as well of maybe alcohol or or drugs might just be alcohol it's bad enough drug but you know you use a drug might be sport might be overwork um in in an office and then you it just keeps coming around because you're not actually dealing with the Mm. problem you're pacifying it you're silencing it for a bit Mm. you do a whole load of things under the influence of that that maybe you wouldn't do and then you f- you berate yourself, you feel the tension, you you self-medicate. Yeah, and and it starts from young because if we're not if we're not having that level of decent, respectful, honouring communication in our in our young lives with our family or our friends, that's when you start to harden. You start to go, okay, I can't I can't live this out in the world, so I better just protect myself a little bit and not show everyone that I'm that sensitive and so then you harden and you think oh this is me this is who I am now and you start to accept things that are less than than you would than you would do if you if you stayed in connection with that I know I so, we've all done that mm. I've I went way away from my sensitivity and even in that I was questioning how did I end up living like this mm. at how I was living at the time with drugs and alcohol mm. and and what I would definitely now call abusive relationships, myself being abusive in relationships, mm. for for how I was as a little child, I remember questioning, mm. how did I end up here? And now that I've worked through and beyond all of those things back to a place of sensitivity and loving myself, I can look back and say that was abuse that I was living with. I don't have regrets about it. I just understand what happened for, to get there. But that's how it sort of starts to play out in our adult life from things that were unexpressed and not able to be communicated when we're young. There is so much to take responsibility for, Mm. particularly when, you know, you get to a a, a part where you go, okay, that's the level of respect and decency I'd like in my life. Um, How do I ask that from others well as we've just discussed here you can't ask from others what you're not prepared to live Mm. and walk yourself Mm. so it's about starting with introducing that level of care and decency so you can actually let your body feel where something actually is a bit of an ouch and you go hey that wasn't okay 
you know it's yeah we need to change you need to change the way you're telling me something if you want me to hear it i can't hear it when you're talking yeah. to me like that but equally when you're saying i can't hear it you can't just go i can't hear it when you're talking to me you know i can't be bitterness and resentment <laughs> in your voice yeah but you you do need to share that that you feel hurt because if we don't again put those training wheels on and practice get it wrong because at least you're expressing it doesn't matter if you get it wrong but it does matter if you don't express exactly. that is very painful in the body the body still feels it and it will cause dis-ease from the ill at ease that you the tension that you have in your body um and you know i, I would say that my pacifiers have been many over the years and you know sugar exercise work alcohol have been right up there so as i peel back the layers and and choose to feel a bit more i can let go of some of those pacifiers but i can't let go of them all until i'm solid in in the the this the power of trusting what i feel so i would say to everyone don't suddenly just take away all your pacifiers. Don't go cold turkey. No, cold turkey is dangerous. <laughs> it is. But start being aware and start developing relationships in your life where you can nominate the things that you actually could say, hey, was that abusive? Was that just me? Mm. That felt jarring. I wonder if how I could approach that again and just start it as a conversation. Yeah, and decency and respect is about claiming those things back little bit by little bit like baby step by baby step yeah but it, it sometimes takes a jolt in us to actually acknowledge that we're being disrespectful or indecent yes um i remember like as a teenager i got into the habit of swearing mm -hmm. and i'd never heard that at home my parents never swore in front of me, very, very infrequently. My dad would have to be really frustrated to, to let out a swear word. And yet, by the end of high school and, and going through art school and that, it was normal for, for swear words to just slip out. Um, I went overseas and I lived in um, a, an environment in Europe for a period of time and and I was using swear words, they just, because they, I'd normalized that as part of behavior. And I remember the cultural um, reflection back to me was like, oh, that is just absolutely inappropriate for a woman to use a swear, <laughs> a swear word like that, like yeah. the F word. Yeah. And I remember feeling really shocked, like, oh, I can't do that here. Mm. And then it made me go, well, why should I be doing it anywhere? Mm. And even just like, okay, I've been using that at home and I just become really too loose about that. But also I, I then had to clock in that moment that I'd gone through a very um, pressured period of time in my life um, and I wasn't... I wasn't um, allowing myself to see that I was frustrated. And so the swearing was just part of the frustration. And then when I got reflected back that it was inappropriate to talk like that, it was a jolt that I needed to start to go, well, Gabe, why, why are you speaking like that? Why are you using those words to express with? That's not even you. You were never brought up like that. It's not how you really feel about people and life and your experiences. And I had to pull my head in <laughs> and start to observe it. And that was a bit, a step-by-step -step process. And eventually, like, well, I don't swear. Yeah. I love it. It's that, it's that humbling of ourselves when you, when you bother to have a deeper relationship with yourself and you, and you observe the reflections that are being, being offered to you in life. Mm. If you have that consideration to have that deeper relationship, it's very humbling because you have to be accountable to yourself. I mean, you shared the example of asking your kids to yeah. make, and it's great to have other people employed to yeah. do that with you, but you still have to do it. You have to be first committed to doing that with yourself. You do, because in an office situation, as an adult, you think, I've earned my stripes to be here. Um, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, you know, steps on the rung or wheels on the 
road, whatever the expression going around <laughs> that racetrack is. <laughs> but when we're going round and round a racetrack, we can embed behaviours that are really dysfunctional. We sometimes need to take a pit stop and actually go, ooh, um, what, um, if I'm in conflict with so many people in this office, I wonder if it's me or if people are, <laughs> are people afraid of me here and I'm actually not clocking it? And I'm the bully. Yeah, and I'm the bully. <laughs> it's very interesting talking about bullying in schools and I always say, look, you know, there is a very good chance that that you're bullying and you're actually not aware that you're bullying. Mm. Um, um, I'd love to introduce a word, um, harmlessness, mm. and talk about that because you've both spoken to me about that at different times. Could we, could we share with the the listeners about what harmlessness means and what it might uh, give some examples of what it might look like in situations mm-hmm. um to put it very simply harmlessness is is it's everything that we're talking about today and it, and it is it is something that we all know deep in our in our core we know what is truth and what is not truth and so harmlessness is what what is harm and what is not harm and but unfortunately, what we're talking about today is the fact that the bar has been lowered and lowered and lowered. So we often can't recognise that anymore. But just to to put it into, say, an example for us, um, we've we've shared here today how we've we've both lived, you know, in, at times in our life with um, things that are not self loving, that are abusive, and we've abused and all of that for us, and and we have abused in our relationship in the early years verbally um sadly sometimes physically as well for us now abuse in our relationship so harmlessness is not speaking to each other with tone now we're not perfect i'm not saying we're perfect but we have an absolute commitment to that so if one of us does or both of us speak with tone we address that there and then immediately it's addressed because it's it's not harmless okay so tone is that where there's an under where you're saying something like i'm fine mm. but actually you're not fine so you're going i'm fine there's yeah. the tone that goes yeah. i am fine because we're not going to discuss it now but i am seriously mm. hacked off with you you know yeah. like there's a tightness in well, my jaw in my body like wait till you get home there's that there's tone that's that's obvious like mm. that but there's also tone that isn't obvious in the sense of the voice but you're saying something and it's loaded with something else. So it has a background to it. It has oh, a history to it okay. that is out of context to what's happening there in that moment between the two people. So something that's unresolved from the past in someone, that moment, there's a moment where that old hurt undealt with is triggered and you say something may not have that obvious tone like you've just shared, but it is so loaded. So it has energetic tone. Yeah, that's a really fine detail, isn't it? Mm. You've got to get through a few layers to get to that. But again, we're feeling it all. Yeah. So when we say we've got to get through a few layers, we may have to consciously do some work with counsellors or um, with our, our friends to, to introduce that concept. But we're feeling everything. So if you mm. are noticing that, then we're all noticing it. We're all just not clocking it. Mm. We had a situation the other day, we went into a business and did a group um, team building workshop and we were talking about things like this in terms of hurts and how we we bring those to other situations in our life from childhood, from teenage years, blah, blah, blah. then you're in the work environment and something triggers you and you bring that and we were, the word or the reference historical hurts came up mm. and somebody asked a question about that and basically how we put it was, a, a historical hurt is anything we can think that it's 10 15 50 60 years ago but really in in truth it's anything that you went to bed with last night that was not resolved from yesterday or the day before or the day before or 15 mm. years before because that's in your body yeah now not putting that as an ideal that we all need to you know certainly not everybody's going to be able to jump to that today and and put everything out on the table and deal with it today but that's what's possible to get to it's possible to get to the point where you can be so healed with things and you would not consider going to bed with something it doesn't have to be completely 
you know, you, you've dealt with everything, but you've at least communicated that it's a tension in your body. Yeah. I'd like to say on that, I love what Annette just said, and I'd like to say on that, it's like the little baby, beautiful baby boy that we met yesterday. It's harmlessness is a harmony in the body, a homeostasis, that, but it's, it's a surrender. It's a complete surrender and openness within the body so that when you are relating to people, what you're relating back is just your loving self truly and really and and the other person gets to feel that there's no there's no part of you that's imposing and that comes from being surrendered in your body if we were all walking around very surrendered and relaxed and open in our bodies no one would have a problem trusting the biggest issue we face or one of the biggest questions that we feel when we're walking around with people is are you going to hurt me? When we come up against each other, we, we're immediately in protection of some description. And a lot of us are security-based in our relationships. We need to feel safe. Mm. We need to feel that there is that security there. And that's because there's not enough surrender in people's bodies. There's not enough relaxed, open expression so that people go, can can feel safe and know that that person is not going to hurt them. That's what harmlessness is. Mm. Walking around in an intimate, open, loving way that gives off messages to other people to say, I'm a person that loves and values myself and I have deep respect for myself. I am not going to come and find an opportunity to hurt or harm or exploit you, or piss you off, or whatever. So that that it, it's a responsibility in all of us to be surrendered. Now we're born like that. Yeah. As babies, we are that. Yeah. It's been a really big show today. I can feel that. I know what I went through when I actually had to sit and consider that the way I spoke and the way I acted and how I was. Um, was potentially harming my next generation, my children, and taking responsibility for that. So I can imagine someone listening to this for the first time would be going, holy moly, where do I start? Mm-hmm. And and I would say my top tip would be start with you, start with actually being really kind to yourself and and just noticing where you throw your clothes on the floor rather than put them away at the end of each day so that, you know, you don't have to look at your mess, your doo-doos on the floor the next morning. I heard it. Can I just share? Yeah, yeah. Just not so long ago um, when I was working in a restaurant, I heard this term I'd never heard before, which was floor drobe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd never heard that. There's floor drobe, there's bath drobe, there's chair drobe. (laughs) So many drobes. Little do we know. Yeah, let's let's use the wardrobe and and the drawers and maybe just cleaning out the clothes that you don't need, um, folding your clothes again so that the reflection that you get back when you open is literally one of I care for myself enough to put Mm. my clothes away and I care for myself enough that when I choose my clothes, I know they're going to be comfortable Mm. on me and I'm going to feel good in them. That would be my top tip. We had an experience once. We just renovated our home at the time and had this beautiful wardrobe that we designed and had made and... um, and some family were over for dinner and they came in to have a look at it all and I just was showing them the mechanism of the drawer, how it, you know, yeah. rolls out, rolls in. And when I opened my drawer, the two family members there, they actually let out a, 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 a gut, you know, they were <laughs> <Gums>. like, <gasps> like this at what they saw when I pulled open the drawer at how beautifully everything was folded. Yeah. Like they actually, and this, this enormous sadness came up in them oh. <laughs> in the reflection of you know, the love and care that was there. Yeah. That obviously, and, and I know for a fact that they live with floor drobes. So, <laughs> um, but I agree, Liz, I would say start with yourself. Don't, don't, when you consider, you know, if this is a new thing to consider or you're taking from today a new level of decency and respect to consider, look at it for yourself first. Don't go out placing expectations on the people around you. 
look at how how you are on a phone conversation. Are you actually waiting for the other person to finish what they're saying before you speak? How are you on the road when you're driving your car? Are you quick to anger? Are you quick to jump on your horn or, you know, give someone the finger? Look at how your look at your own behaviour first and usually what happens is as you deepen in that care and love for yourself, it's it, it starts to change the quality of how other people are with you as well. So you don't have to put it on everyone else. Do put it on yourself first. Thank you, Annette. Beautiful. Mm. I've got a I've got a great tip and that is when you've clocked that moment or the thing that you actually want to work on, say it's like, okay, I'm not going to get drunk and say stupid things on Friday night when I go for drinks, you know? Say you, you decide, okay, that's the thing I don't want to do or, or give in to the advances of somebody when I'm, under, when I'm you know, off my head on, on um, alcohol. When you have clocked that, the, the most obvious thing that comes up in us as human beings is shame mm. or humiliation. Like, oh, my God, why did I do that? Why mm. did I? So my tip or the tip I feel is important is not to punish yourself mm. when you're looking at these things, not to put yourself down even more, but to recognize that that potential way that you're behaving which is that you've clocked as disrespectful or abusive to yourself and others and harming that you can find a way to develop yourself out of that to refine it so that you're not looking at yourself and going I'm an idiot or calling yourself names or even worse than that punishing yourself even more than that but to feel that you have a relationship with the fact that that's not successful to behave like that. It's not loving. Not putting yourself in the right and wrong category or the good or bad. or But just understanding it's not loving. Hmm. Simple as that. Hmm. And then making steps forward to be more loving, more gentle, more kind, more decent, more respectful with yourself. Harmless. Hmm. Yeah, harmless. So it's building a relationship with yourself as a student of learning about how to love yourself more mm. and not making yourself in trouble because sometimes when you look at those moments, it can rise up so much shame and so much embarrassment and so much um, a feeling of like how you've dishonored yourself that it's hard to recuperate from and you get stuck in the shame and you don't recover to re-imprint it. Mm. You just you just get caught in this feeling of like I'm a failure, I'm useless and the self-loathing. Mm. So my tip is not to punish as you move forward in this, in this learning. I think that's beautiful how Gabe's put it and the what I felt when she was sharing that it's like understand that you're you're recuperating you're just sort of like you're in uh, yeah. recovery because we haven't all been you know there's no perfect situation to grow up in the world isn't perfect so we've all been affected in some way to some degree so it's like putting yourself on a program of, of healing it is a program of healing and yeah. recovering back to your true your true essence from from when we were as we've talked about today when we were babies and just returning to that recovering yourself back to love oh that is going to be my quote of the day which will be the lead on all social media (laughs) recovering yourself back to love could you possibly write that down on this so i remember it (laughs) there we go I want to say thank you so much for coming in, both of you. It's It's been extraordinary having you both here. I think we've tap- tackled a topic that is very challenging for some, um, very challenging for all of us uh, to the different levels that we're aware of it. But I'm really pleased you went there because I think you've given us the potential and then we each work to whatever level we mm. can. So thank you very much. Thank you, Annette. Pleasure, Lucy. And thank, thank you, Gabrielle, for coming in. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been amazing talking with you this morning with Annette as well. Next week is um, uh, it, it is uh, White Ribbon Day. So the show is going to sh- showcase two schools who are white ribbon schools. Now, that's about men being part of the respectful um, relationships with women and turning around abuse 
for women. So we're going to go into all of that and I have no doubt we'll have some gorgeous, tender, kind, caring young men who are going to um, uh, to be on the show next week. Remember, if you've heard any of this show, that drop the mask, take the body armour off, live who you are and we will all have our sunglasses at the ready. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, regardless of what has or is happening to you in your life, you are and always will be you and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something's not quite right and then seek the um, support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. Look for support in the community. It is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website. It will be on SoundCloud and I'll post that on Facebook. So if you want to um, be notified, please just link to any of those spaces. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you, connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.